You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. I'm Trevor Noah. Today is Tuesday, the 21st of July, and I know that days and dates don't mean anything anymore, but I like to keep them around, you know, for sentimental reasons. It reminds me of the normal times. Now, although some people have gone back to the office, I am still filming from my apartment because I haven't finished reading all the books on my quarantine list yet. I also haven't started reading the books, but I'm going to tomorrow. Anyway, on tonight's episode, pennies can now make you rich. Queen Elizabeth might need to go get a gun and America debates whether to allow coronavirus to go back to school. So let's do this, people. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is the Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah. Ears edition. Let's kick things off with some good news. I'll give you a moment to remember what that is. When the coronavirus pandemic hits, scientists said it could be a year to 18 months before we got a vaccine. But just like high school seniors on prom nights, things are moving faster than expected. Encouraging news as several companies rush to develop a vaccine against the coronavirus. There are promising results in early trials of at least three potential vaccines. One is being developed by the University of Oxford and AstraZeneca. Results suggest that vaccine is safe and has produced an immune response in patients. Another vaccine, Bacancino Biologics, was shown to produce antibodies a month after vaccination. Meanwhile, promising results from Pfizer and BioNTech on another vaccine. The results are similar to some of the 23 other vaccines that are already on human trials. Oh man, this is exciting. Not one, not two, but three vaccines. And isn't this the story of life? One moment you have too little and the next moment you're overwhelmed with options. I mean, three vaccines? Which one do I choose? I mean, do I want the Chinese one? And then there's the Oxford one. You know, this is so hard. I'll be like, can I get a scoop of each? Yeah, just give me a scoop of each. Part of me also likes the fact that these vaccines aren't being made in America, because let's be honest, America is the one country where people are gonna let politics stop them from getting the vaccine. I don't want that Trump vaccine. I'm resisting. A Biden vaccine is a liberal trap. You think it's a coincidence that coronavirus has the letters A, O, and C in it? Now. As hopeful as this is, please remember that there are a lot of steps between now and a full vaccine. I mean, they need to finish the trials. They need to ramp up vaccine production. Plus, they need to produce over a billion lollipops because I don't care if it is the COVID vaccine. If you're giving me a shot, you best believe I'm leaving there with a lollipop. And the US desperately needs this vaccine sooner than later because coronavirus is still hitting America hard including in ways no one would have thought of. Well, first it was toilet paper and hand sanitizer, but now the coronavirus pandemic is causing Americans to see a shortage of coins. The Federal Reserve is rationing the distribution of coins to banks. Those banks in turn are supplying fewer coins to businesses. Some retail stores are even telling customers to use exact change or pay by credit or debit card. The bank in Wisconsin is now paying people to bring in their spare change to help local businesses. The Community State Bank has launched a coin buyback program People who turn in $100 worth of change will get a $5 bonus. The bank says hundreds of people have already dropped off their spare change. Some have even bought in coins without asking for anything back. Yes, there are so few coins right now that banks are paying people to bring in their loose change. 
And right now, I bet people all over the country are in line at those gift shops with flattened pennies standing around like, yo, you better throw that machine in reverse. I'm trying to get paid. And here's what I want to know. Where are all the magicians when we actually need them? Because now is a good time to pull a quarter from behind my ear, not at my grandfather's funeral when you were trying to cheer me up. I know you killed him. Also, wouldn't it be amazing if this becomes the next chapter of massive wealth generation in America? You know, like the oil boom gave birth to the Rockefeller dynasty, the dot-com boom made fortunes for people like Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg, and now you'll have the coin shortage of 2020, making your grandmother the richest person in the world because she insisted on keeping those jars full of pennies. Yeah, now she's gonna be the one surfing in Hawaii with too much sunblock on her face. You made it, Nana. Speaking of grandmothers who are bawling, Queen Elizabeth II might want to invest in one of those ring doorbells because COVID just took out some of her security team. The Tower of London has stood in the British capital for nearly a thousand years, but that doesn't mean it's immune to the effects of coronavirus as well. The Tower's iconic beef eaters seen here are now facing redundancy. Officially known as the Yeoman Warders, the beef eaters live and work at the Tower providing tours. The organization that runs the Tower says the pandemic has dealt a, quote, devastating blow to its finances. Some of the approximately three dozen beef eaters could lose their jobs. Yes the world-famous beef eaters are losing their jobs. And I don't get this. The same people who have a tower full of jewels can't afford to pay a few guards' salaries? Yo, man, just go pawn one of those stones in your crown. You can pay everybody's salary. Or put up one of your three castles on Airbnb. Or you know what? Sell off some of that stolen art in your museums. I mean, you already committed half the crime. You might as well finish the job. Although, knowing the royal family, I'm willing to bet some of them are less worried about security now that Meghan Markle has left the country. It just feels like crime has gone down around these parts. I don't know why. Now look, obviously the queen isn't just leaving the tower completely unguarded. She actually hired that couple from St. Louis to wave guns at any tourists who come too close. And I just hope that they don't fire those guys in the furry hats too. Cause those guys don't respond to anything. I'm sorry, Jim, but we have to let you go. Jim, we're firing you. Jim? Jim, Jim, Jim. Oh, forget it, I'll just grab a selfie. What's funny is they put like a, the hat on my, but I've already got one, like, those are just afros that have been cut, anyway. Moving on. Right now, the big news is out of Portland, Oregon, the first city to legalize marriage between a bookstore and a bike shop. Portland has now seen more than 50 straight days of Black Lives Matter protests. But over the last few days, something new has been happening with more and more protesters facing off against heavily armed law enforcement in some very dramatic ways. Moms gathered singing, please don't shoot me last night, but local media says federal agents again used tear gas, flashbangs, and pepper balls to disperse the crowd. Some people are calling a 53-year-old Navy veteran the Superman of Portland because of how he did not react after being hit by federal officers with batons and then tear gas. I'm sure you've seen this woman who's been dubbed Naked Athena. She showed up at protests, very calm, very confident, wearing nothing but a face mask and a beanie. And just so you know, she's wearing courage and the police (laughs) did disperse when she just sat there and showed her body. Protesting naked? Now that's bravery. Although, are we sure being naked is part of her protest? I mean, she could just be one of those people 
who spend so much time in lockdown that they forgot that they have to wear clothes when they leave the house. Again, I'm sorry to everyone in that bodega, all right? I was just popping in to buy some nuts. I didn't mean for everybody to see mine. And how dope are those moms? You know your protest is picking up steam when your mom shows up. My Jeremy wants to fight the system because this guy is a real A-cab, right, Jeremy? Mom, I told you I can defeat fascism by myself, God! What's behind this new wave of protests in Portland? Well, they're reacting to a recent move by the Trump administration that has put the whole city on edge. You see, for months, local officials there had been allowing peaceful demonstrations without too much interference, but President Trump was not happy about that. So he decided to send in the feds, which led to scenes like this. A crisis unfolding in Portland, Oregon, after videos surfaced online that showed masked and camouflaged federal agents detaining peaceful protesters. Attorney General Ellen Rosenblum says federal officers are the ones escalating the violence. She's now suing several federal agencies for actions like this. What is going on? We need to know who are you? Three or four or five of them jumping out of the unmarked vans at night, grabbing people off the streets, putting them into their vans. Man, that sounds less like democracy and more like an episode of Narcos. Unidentified soldiers throwing protesters into an unmarked van on the streets of Portland? Like, I don't care who you are. Nothing good has ever come from an unmarked van. It's never like, get in the van, get in the unmarked van. We're going to Disney World. And how are people even supposed to tell the difference between being arrested and being kidnapped? Cause I don't know if you've noticed this, but in America, Random dudes walk around in camo gear holding guns all the time. I mean, can you tell which of these is a federal officer and which one is doing army man cosplay? Cause I can't. So if you ask me, there's only one solution here. And that solution is that everyone should dress up in camo. That's the only way everyone's gonna be safe. That way, when they come to arrest you and throw you in their van, you can be like, no, I'm arresting you and throwing you in my van. And then things will get so confusing that eventually you get thrown in your own van and you can just drive home. Now, if you're sitting at home wondering, eh, why should I care about this, man? It's happening in Portland. I'm not even a hipster. Well, now Trump says that he's planning to send these secret police to cities all across America. So you might want to get naked and call your mom because shit's about to go down. We have to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll try to solve that age old math question. If a country has 3 million coronavirus cases, but one idiot in the White House, when will schools reopen? Stay tuned for the answer. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. It's no secret that the United States has not been handling the coronavirus well. On the failure scale, it rates somewhere between Fire Festival and White Girl Rapping at Karaoke. And one person who has not been making things better is Donald Trump. President of the United States and reason you can no longer wear a red baseball hat. For months now, health officials have been saying that everyone should wear a mask when they're out in public. And Trump has replied, no thanks. But now it's his idea. This morning, facing an uphill battle for re-election, President Trump with a course correction, now offering a direct appeal to Americans to wear a mask, tweeting this photo and writing, many people say that it is patriotic to wear a face mask when you can't socially distance. There is nobody more patriotic than me, your favorite president. A White House official says the picture was taken during his recent visit to Walter Reed, the only time he's worn a mask in public. Yes. 
There's nothing more patriotic than waiting for 140,000 people to die and then grudgingly becoming the last person in America to put on a mask. And you know, no matter how many times he does this, I'm always amazed at how shamelessly Trump shifts his positions and then acts like we're the ones who were slow to catch on. You know, I was the first person to call it a pandemic when nobody knew what it was. And I wore a mask before anybody. In fact, I might have invented the mask. I'll ask Kaylee to check. Can we get Kaylee to check on that, please? I invented it. No one knew what it was. I said it's a mask. Mask. But while President Trump struggles with literally the easiest possible thing, everyone else is focused on a much more difficult problem. What to do about reopening schools? And it's the subject of our new segment, Class of COVID-19. School. It's how America's TikTok stars spend their mornings. As the new school year approaches, COVID-19 has made things more complicated than your math teacher's comb over. Because the big question is, even if the virus isn't a major threat to children, can they become adorable super spreaders who infect teachers, staff, and their families back home? Well, now we might be getting some answers. As many school systems weigh their options and evaluate data, a large and systematic new study out of South Korea suggests kids younger than 10 spread the disease less, about half as much as adults. But children above the age of 10 can spread the virus at the same rate as adults. Older kids, those teenagers, get infected more frequently than younger kids. And that is something we do have to be mindful of as we bring kids back to school. Oh, man. This is really not good. Scientists now say teenagers can spread the virus just as easily as adults. And you know, some parents are gonna try brag about this. You know, uh, little Timmy's only 13, but apparently he spreads COVID at a college level. And I don't think any of this should be surprising to anyone. Like, I'm not a scientist, but of course, teenagers can spread coronavirus everywhere. Just look at how well they spread rumors. For the last time, guys, I did not pee my pants in math class, okay? I peed them in English in first period. So look, this isn't great news. The only silver lining is that it might at least help stop bullying. I'd shove you in a locker right now, but my Nana has a compromised immune system. So clearly, if kids go back to school, there's a good chance the virus is gonna spread even more, which means Americans have two choices. Immediately devote massive resources to helping schools implement safety regimes so that kids can be protected, tested, and monitored. Or two, don't do that. Missouri Governor Mike Parson is pushing for kids in his state to go back to school, even if they get sick. These kids have got to get back to school. They're at the lowest risk possible. And if they do get COVID-19, which they will, and they will when they go to school, they're not going to the hospitals. They're not going to have to sit in doctor's office days. They're going to go home and, and they're going to get over it. Okay. Now, here's the thing. Governor Parson is not wrong, right? Kids are the least susceptible to COVID-19. And if they do get sick, they usually don't need to go to the hospital. They can stay home. But what he seems to be forgetting is that unless all these kids live in Neverland, they go home to adults, which is not good. Because you see, coronavirus is like baby shock. It can't hurt kids, but it will destroy adults' lives. So basically, if you don't get corona under control, the schools can turn into an Amazon fulfillment center for coronavirus. It starts in a centralized location, and within a couple of days, it's personally delivered to everyone's house. Or maybe one day with Prime. The only way this isn't gonna get adults infected 
is if parents and their kids have no contact. I mean, no communication, no affection whatsoever, no touching. Basically, Trump's relationship with Eric. And parents aren't the only ones in danger here. Unsurprisingly, teachers all across America are not enthused at the idea of having to put their lives at risk so that little Aiden can build a baking soda volcano. In fact, in a historic move, Florida's largest teachers union is now suing Florida's governor for ordering schools to fully open in a few weeks. And look, until these issues are resolved, most parents in America are stuck between a rock and a hard place. Because what do you do? Do you keep your kids at home, teach them yourself, and eventually blow your brains out? Or do you take the risk, send them to school, and gamble with your family's health? Well, many rich families have decided they're going with option C. Parents worried about sending their kids back to school or coming together to create smaller so-called pandemic pods. Pandemic pods, a 2020 version of the one-room schoolhouse. The small groups of students are getting together and paying for a private teacher. The pods are seen as a way to mitigate risks and give kids a chance to socialize and learn together during in-person teaching. The cost for private instructors can run anywhere between $25 and $80 per hour, adding to concerns that the coronavirus pandemic is exacerbating the inequities in the education system. Yes, rich people are getting private instructors because one, they can't afford it, and two, because they aren't allowed to just bribe colleges anymore. And here we have yet another way the education gap in America is going to become even wider. Because after this pandemic, you're gonna have kids who are supposed to be at a fifth grade reading level only reading at a second or third grade level. And if this generation comes out of school not being able to read, I mean, what jobs are gonna be available to them? I mean, president for sure, but what else? So that's where America is right now. In a time when students need help more than ever, the government is going from no child left behind to, yo, you kids are on your own. Don't go away, because after the break, Roy Wood Jr. and Michael Costa go into the NBA bubble, and then we'll be chatting to the reggae legend, Bujubanton. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Even though the coronavirus has shut down most sports, there's still sports news out there, which means it's time to go to Roy Wood Jr. and Michael Costa for another edition of I Apologize for Talking While You Were Talking. What's up, sports fans? I'm Roy Wood Jr. He's Michael Costa. Sports is back, which means we are back. Costa, are you amped to be talking sports again? I, we can't, I can't, I can't hear you, bro. You're on mute. You're on mute. Yeah, I was saying that I'm excited. Same here. Hockey's on its way back. Baseball's starting up again. Let's get it, man. I can't wait. Those are my two favorite sports to ignore while I look at my phone. But the return that everyone's talking about, Roy, is the return of the NBA. That's right. Coronavirus cut their season short right before the playoffs. But the NBA is back with a plan that's more complicated than trying to pronounce Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis Antetokounmpo. The NBA hopes to shield the rest of its season from COVID-19 by keeping players and staff inside an isolation bubble. The teams will live, practice, and play in Orlando without outside visitors or fans. Players and staff from all 22 teams participating will be sequestered in a so-called bubble at the ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex at the Walt Disney World Resort. League officials hoping that will keep teams safe. The league lays out in great detail everything from how the players will work, 
play, relax, eat, as well as be monitored for COVID-19 when play resumes. There's going to have to be consistent surveillance, you know, on a daily basis to make sure that people are who are negative for coronavirus stay negative. That's right. The NBA is going to finish their season playing inside a bubble. And Roy, I love this idea. It reminds me of sleepaway camp growing up, playing games, spending all your time together, your most trusted friends shoving Q-tips up your nose while you wait, sleep. Wait, wait, wait. Camp? Yeah. Because what I'm hearing is a bunch of mostly black dudes locked up under constant surveillance. This is basically prison with less defense. And whose idea was it to bubble up down in Florida with all the cases spiking down there? What was the second option? What, to have the season in the middle of a Trump rally? Roy, it's fine. They're in a bubble. A bubble. Yeah, and if they respected the bubble, it could work. But the problem is that players are already breaking the rules. The NBA is not playing around when it comes to the bubble boundaries for players who are staying at the Walt Disney World campus in Orlando. Sacramento Kings forward Rashawn Holmes says he accidentally crossed the campus line to pick up a food delivery. Well, now he's under a mandatory 10-day quarantine. An unnamed NBA player contacted an Instagram model named Anna and invited her to the bubble. Unbelievable. The NBA season can be at risk because selfish players want takeout and hot, hot sex. So selfish, so hot. It's incredibly hot, Roy. But breaking quarantine for outside food is just unnecessary. They've already got great food options in the bubble. Look at this delicious meal Denver Nuggets player Troy Daniels tweeted out. It's a cornucopia of culinary delights. Arugula, two bags of chips, watermelon, a roll in a giant plastic bag, a smaller thing of watermelon. Roy, that's at least 11 calories right the there. The point is they haven't even started playing games and the bubble is already falling apart. Casa, this season is gonna be like you having sex with an Instagram model. It's gonna end prematurely. Not so fast, Roy. That was in private, I told you that. But if you look at the numbers, it's actually pretty promising. The NBA had zero positive cases in its recent round of testing. The league testing close to 350 players living on the NBA campus at Disney World. All of the tests coming back negative. Damn, I didn't know it was working, yo. Let me in that bubble, NBA. I gotta get in there. I'll do whatever it takes, NBA. I'll be a water boy. I'll be the kid that mops up the sweat underneath the basket. I'll, I'll, I'll be Anthony Davis's backup unibrow. Just whatever it takes, you got to let me in that bubble. You, you don't even have to pay me. You know, I don't blame you for wanting a piece of that bubble, Roy. Not only is it the safest place in America right now, but based on the videos players have been sending out on social media, it looks like they're having a pretty good time in there. Chris Paul is like everyone else, embracing the outdoor life at Disney World. This is a fish CP3 caught Monday before practice. Meanwhile, the Dallas Mavericks, they were doing a socially distant dance party on their balconies. Myers Leonard getting in on the latest challenge, Leonard chugging beer for the second week in a row. This has got to be less than a second for the shotgun. See, NBA players are just like us, shotgunning beers alone. And he was fast too. He made that beard disappear like a Q-tip up your nose at sleepaway camp. Yo, Costa, I'm sold. I want in on the fun and the bubble. We gotta figure out a way inside. I'm way ahead of you, Roy. I'm already turning myself into an Instagram model so I can seduce the players. All I gotta do is post this pic. What do you think about that bubble, Roy? I'm gonna DM the NBA and I've been kicked off of Instagram. It was worth the shot. Back to you, Trevor. You know what? I'm going to make a separate account, and then I'm going to... Wait, I've been kicked off the internet. Thank you so much, guys.
After the break, I'll be speaking to Grammy Award winner Buju Bantan about his latest album. Stick around. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I spoke with Grammy Award-winning artist Buju Bantan. We talked about his new album, Upside Down 2020, which is his first album in 10 years. Buju Bantan, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. <laughs> Respect. Thanks for having me on your program. Um, it truly is an honor to have you on because, I mean, you are a legend. And, I mean, this is not a term that people use lightly, especially in the same genre as people like Bob Marley or Peter Tosh, you know, they say Buju Banton is a legend of reggae and you, you, you're back with a new album. You're back with an album that has been so highly anticipated that, you know, when you performed in Jamaica at the National Stadium, not only were you the first artist to sell it out since Bob Marley, but people flew from all over the world to see you. People want to hear your music. People want to, want to feel, you know, what, what, you, what you create. Um, what does it feel like for you to, to be in that position again, to be making music again, to be, to be back. It's a lovely feeling, but I do not see myself as a legend of reggae. I see myself as a servant of reggae. Reggae music is a music that comes from the people of Jamaica. Now, upon being able to create music and make music once more, it's a tremendous feeling because when you're separated from those that you love and the things that you love, and you know, you, you did it from your heart, you did it from a sacred place inside of you and it's ripped apart from you and you're separated from it and a narrative is purported that you cannot really identify with. It brings a great joy to be able to reconnect with what you truly love. So coming home and see my people in the National Stadium to celebrate that moment with me and people from all over the world, it was like Noah, not, but not Trevor, building, a, <laughs> building an ark. <laughs> <laughs> Right. What, what, what's powerful as well is, is, is the journey that so many of your fans were on with you, you know, and, and you sing about this, you know, you sing about it and you talked about it. You know, your tour is called the Long Walk to Freedom Tour. You know, you, you, you sing about being freed from the chains and you talk about what it was like being incarcerated and, 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 and how that, that, you know, constricted you as a human being. When you use your music to communicate, what do you hope people understand about what it's like to not have your freedom as a human being? First and foremost, music is more than just something to have you gyrating and dancing. It possesses those qualities, but there's also the ability for you to think, the ability to, to learn something from the great music. I always want to make music to uplift, educate, stimulate the minds of the people. Yes? And we will not cease from doing that because that gives us a tremendous joy. Yes? When we can communicate with the people and bring that music to the people, so we always try to make sure that whenever the people hear Bojabantan or see Bojabantan, positivity is a necessary ingredient that you're going to get. You're going to get music to gyrate, but you're going to get something positive. You know, what's interesting about, you, you say that music informs, but I, I would push back on you and I would say, not all music informs. Reggae has a rich history of being conscious, you know? Like reggae... Reggae has always been like, like a music form where it seems laid back and relaxed. It seems iry. It seems like, you know, that's the vibe that people get. But when you listen to what's happening in reggae, it's talking about the world. It's talking about society. It's talking about the problems that we're dealing with. And you do... It speaks about the people who are trying to rise up and take the man's right. off their neck. It speaks about the people who, after they, they rise up, they're still being hampered by the measures that are already in place to keep them in place. So this music, a lot of people relate to it right across Europe, right across Africa, right across the Americas, 
but it emanates here in Jamaica and it must never ever cease from being a conversation starter. Hmm. The album is called Upside Down 2020. And what I found most fascinating is you named it before 2020 and now we are truly living in an upside down 2020. Did you have a feeling that 2020 would be upside down or, or should we blame you for basically putting us in this situation with your, with your prediction? Men is always looking for someone to blame. Maybe that's what <laughs> When we start looking within, we can find profound changes, you know, that needs to be made and we can right. rectify them, you know. Upside down, our music, especially my music, has always been something that I see it as a gift from the great I am, from a higher source, you know, the great God Almighty himself. So... Whenever I get the inspiration, I cannot hide the inspiration from the people who the message were meant for. As a servant, I must serve the people. So when we say, God free the people over hills and over valleys, don't look for someone who walk with a kid in his hand like the days of 2000 ago, 2000 years ago. It's the consciousness and the awakening and the realization of mankind that we are our brothers and sisters and live in harmony. So when you come to 2020, it's nothing less. The same inspirational spirit that flows through man, inspires man to make the music. Our music has been relegated to a, a third world music, but nevertheless, like you so honestly stated, the impact is far reaching. So right. I, cannot take, I cannot take credit and say, well, then it was a prophetic move on my part, I would say it was a great inspiration from the great inspirator. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, yeah, I, I will say one, one thing I, I, I appreciated, one of the many things I think I appreciated about, about hearing this music is, is how vulnerable it felt. You know, you, you have 10 tracks on the album dedicated to the 10 years of your life that you lost. You have 10 tracks on the album that are dedicated to the future. We know what we're living through. We know what we're going to be talking about, but what do you hope the future will bring, not just to yourself, but to humanity? Peace. Yes, peace and love. Yes, no one is calling for peace and love. Everyone is calling for all kind of things. Peace and love is what Rastafari, that's what the music is about. Well, you may say I'm a dreamer, but I don't really love them kind of song, neither. You know what I mean? Because I know I in a dream. I want to peace and peace and love for my people and all people. Well, you know what, sir? I, I hope that you're right. I hope that the same way your album title was prophetic, maybe those words will also come to be a prophecy that becomes fulfilled. Because we have the power of the spoken word. Know how to use it. Let us speak things into existence, sir. I appreciate that. Puji Banton, thank you so much for joining us on The Daily Show. And thank you so much for making that all the way from Jamaica. Bless. Thank you very much for inviting me in the program. I hope you enjoy my offering. Thanks. We know we will. Thank you so much for that, Buju. We just wanted to remind you that America is facing a nationwide poll worker shortage. And because most poll workers are over 60 and COVID is still in the air, they are understandably not showing up. But fewer poll workers means fewer polling stations are open and it means longer lines that not everybody can afford to stay and wait in. Now, the good news is most poll working is paid and in some states, you can be as young as 16 to do it. So if you're interested and you have the time, this is your chance to save your granny, protect democracy, and make some money, too. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more.
This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 